On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1198 of the Lock on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. And thank you, as always, for making the Lock on Hawks podcast your first listen each and every day. Check us out and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the newly launched YouTube channel. That we certainly could use your support on that. But thank you for listening to the show, as always. And today's podcast will be focusing on what became a nine-point win for the Hawks, 122 to 113 over the Blazers in a game that should have been a lot easier than it was. Portland, in fact, they trailed by 15 points at one point in this one. But ignoring all of that until later on in the podcast, the Hawks get this victory, and they're now 500 for the first time in a long time. In fact, the Hawks are 34 and 34. Last time they were 500 was at 14 and 14 in mid-December. So a lot has changed. Like basically, a half season has taken place since then. But because of their home success, the Hawks are back there. They're now 14 and two in the last 16 games at home, including six games in a row, and they win three games in a row now at home this week to get back to 500 and we'll touch on all of that but Trey Young was a superstar and this one as he often is 46 points 93 points in two days for Trey Young obviously and the Hawks were able to overcome some shoddy play in the first half and we'll get into all of the context all of what transpired and the hows and the whys that was sort of the top line so I'll get the victory here and back to 500 they go for the first time in forever as for the game itself the Hawks were in a good spot let's just say uh, it was a back-to-back for Atlanta, which is always tough, but with no travel, Portland had to come across the country after playing on Saturday night in Portland. And it was a rematch from January, which Trey hit 56 points against Portland. It was more full-strength Portland at that point, but still uh, Trey has obviously found some success against Portland this season. The Hawks, though, were also shorthanded in this game. John Collins was out again for Atlanta with both the finger sprain and the foot strain that he has. Chris Kersher shared a photo with a doctor and wrote about it on Monday and the response from the doctor was not great on Collins' finger, which can, apparently cannot be straightened out all the way, and it can't be bent either, so not, not great there. And also, Collins, unfortunately, he still has pain in his foot, which is not what you want to hear if you are John Collins. And really, this is an assumption. They've not said this, but it seems like Collins is not going to be 100% for a while if he does play. Um, he even kind of openly, not necessarily discussed, but kind of just thought out a lot about whether he was even helping the team. And you can certainly argue that him at 60% or whatever it's going to be, May not help them. And uh, I think if he's close to 100%, he obviously would help them. He's one of the best players. But uh, clearly, not his uh, full self right now. And sort of an ominous reporting and the way that he was talking about it on Monday. But we'll see what happens in the coming days there. But also, it was not just Collins that was out in this game. You know, Gallinari missed the game with the right Achilles soreness that he's been managing all season long, apparently, according to Millen. And because of that, the Hawks were down their top two power forwards in this game. Jalen Johnson, for those asking and wondering, was actually on the road in Westchester, so not very close to Atlanta, with the College Park Skyhawks and did not come back for this game. So that left the Hawks pretty shorthanded in some respects. Obviously, they had much better talent available than the Blazers did in this game, both up and down the roster. But that's worth noting that the Hawks were not their normal selves here either. Um, the Blazers, let's just say they had a very bad roster. So we talked about this a lot on last night's podcast, which, by the way, is still available on the podcast feed about the Pacers game and the Hawks being that win over Indiana. But I stressed on that podcast just how bad Indiana's roster was. But even then, you know, they had they had Tyrese Halliburton, they had Buddy Heald, they had guys who have done things before. The Blazers in this game had a worse available roster than the Pacers did. And really, if you just 
kind of couple of these rosters together or, you know, take them out of the spot. You just zoom out and say, look, this is probably the worst team the Hawks will face this season on paper and what was actually available. That was probably the case. Dame Lillard is obviously out for Portland, but also Easton Nurkic, Anthony Simons, Justice Winslow, Nas Little, Eric Bledsoe, all out. And really the only guy on Portland's roster that I would tell you is a definite NBA rotation player, not starter, but even a definite rotation player, is Josh Hart. And Josh Hart's really good. Um, maybe Drew Eubanks, who they just signed with a 10-day contract, by the way, would be the closest thing that I would say. But uh, that kind of tells you it was Josh Hart and G League guys for the most part for uh, Portland in this game. In fact, they actually signed old pal Chris Dunn, who fouled out in 20 minutes. Good to see Chris Dunn playing basketball again, but still kind of funny. And uh, again, this is a worse roster than what Indiana had on Sunday. Kind of crazy, but that's what happened. Um, as a result of all of that, even without Collins and without Gallinari, the Hawks were 14-point favorites in this game. On a back-to-back, without two of their top seven or eight guys, including their best power forward, um, that's pretty wild. Just context-wise, like to have all of that go against you and still be favored by 14 points tells you just how bad Portland's spot was in this game. The Hawks, of course, did not cover, but that kind of tells you what it was supposed to be like in this game. So early on, um, actually, they, start, they started the lot right, which I thought was a good decision in some respects. Obviously, no one's saying that he's better than Bogdanovich, who did not start. It kind of leaves Bogey in his role in second unit, et cetera. That was the thinking behind that. And Bo- Bogey ended up playing plenty of minutes, played uh, – uh, 24 off the bench, even in a game where he was, was not was not his best by any stretch. Um, but the Hawks actually scored well early and led early. It was a 14 to two run to go up by seven in the early part, part of the first quarter. When Portland answered, took the lead. The Hawks really did not shoot the ball well at all in the entire game. Um, there were some misses around the roof for Capella, misses on the perimeter from Bogdanovich, Herder from three. Uh, Trey Young had kind of a slower start. Obviously, he went crazy in the third quarter, but before that. He wasn't super efficient. He was productive, but not super efficient by standards in the first half. Um, rotationally, they went to Okongwu and Madonavich as the first sub. No surprise there. Then Lou played with Trey for a while, and it was Kevin Knox as the backup power forward in the first half. In the second half, it was actually TLC, so I'm not sure if they just didn't, didn't like what they saw from Knox or they wanted to try both guys, but they went to a nine-man rotation in both halves. There was two different guys, so they ended up playing 10 in this spot. Um, defensively, it was kind of a mess. Overall, in transition, it was not good. Um, they missed some matchup stuff, um, particularly when Capella left the floor. Um, you know, Trey was hunting a shot for sure. He took 11 shots in his first nine minutes. He was definitely going after it the entire game and uh, with mixed success early and obviously increasing success during the game. The Hawks were down by five in the first quarter. The Blazers shot the ball very, very well. And the Hawks were scoring enough, but it was not because they were shooting well, which we kind of come back to later on. It was off the three bounds and turnovers that kind of buoyed the Hawks the, the entire game. When Trey played the whole first quarter, they went to the bench, and the Hawks actually gave up a, an extended run of 40-24 to 24 to Portland. That's pretty crazy in itself. Blazers, as bad as they were, to go on that kind of run over about a full quarter of playing time. The Hawks were down by nine. I went and checked during the timeout in the first half, down nine. Our friends have been online to see what the live line was, and the Hawks were still favored by five and a half points at that stage. In fact, they were down nine at the half, and favored to win the game still, which, again, drives home the point about how bad Portland's projection was in this one. Um, they had some really kind of rough stuff at the end of the first half. Um, Capella actually had a great block and a great contest. They, they didn't score three possessions in a row. Trey got torched on the backdoor cut. That was kind of a bad brain fart for him defensively. And Hunter took a pretty bad fadeaway jump shot off offensive rebound. He just didn't need to take. He was kind of struggling in the middle of this game. And then Trey took a very bad 
pull up, kind of forced three on the right wing. And all of that happened. And then Trey got the technical foul with five seconds to go in the first half. Some obvious frustration. It seemed like a pretty quick trigger on the technical foul, to be fair to Trey. But it ended up being a possession of only two points for Portland, which actually was kind of a break for the Hawks. But I use the word hideous a lot. I use the word dreadful a few times on Twitter about the first half. They were truly awful in the first half. You know, aside from Trey being at least productive as a scorer and some good stuff on the, on the periphery with the offensive rebounding and free throw line, et cetera, Knox losing a half at this point by nine points is just really, really bad, and it happened in this game. Um, they had a 123 defensive rating before halftime. The Blazers shot the ball very well, 17 assists. Um, the only bright spots defensively were the rebounding and the turnover creation for the Hawks, which actually continued the entire game. Offensively, it wasn't so bad like on an all-encompassing basis, but it was bad in context. They were 5 of 23 from three and 32% from the floor in the first half. They were saved by the free throw line um, and only had two turnovers, which is good. But Trey had 21 points on 20 shooting possessions before halftime. Now, that's not dreadful at all. It's not like this great production slash efficiency. Uh, Bogey was one of seven from the floor. Paul was three of nine from the floor. Herder was going six from three. Nothing was going well on offense for the Hawks. And then defensively, it was obviously very, very bad. And I think that uh, we're getting into all of what changed and what didn't and uh, what was frustrating about this game in a moment. Before we get to all of that stuff, though, a word from our sponsors on the podcast. It's that time of year again as the tournament is finally upon us in college basketball with all the latest odds, totals, player props, futures, exotics, and much more. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. Beyond that, BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, your podcasts, and all of your news this season. And of course, it's not just basketball at BetOnline. They have a full slate of offerings that includes live betting and your favorite casino games and all kinds of other sports between hockey and UFC, auto racing, boxing, tennis, golf, soccer, entertainment bets, horse racing odds, and even baseball as it gets back underway, plus all the props that you could possibly think of. Head to BetOnline right now or use mobile device right now to learn more about all the trends and all the action today. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, well, I'm in the second half now, and it got worse before it got better. So the Hawks didn't score on their first five possessions in the second half. And Portland had six points in a row, and the Hawks were down by 15 points with 22 minutes to go. And then, coming out of a timeout, Hunter nearly airballed a three and then got a shot blocked in pretty maddening fashion. The vibes at that point, I tweeted this, were really, really bad. It did not feel like the Hawks had any juice whatsoever. Down 15, floundering, and obviously they weren't dead because Portland is not very good, but man, it was not going the right direction early in the third quarter. But then things started to shift. Capella had a huge block, and Trey got a layup, another stop, Trey got a three-point play, another stop, and then a three by Trey, to a personal 8-0 run by Trey, the Capella sort of rolling off the rim defensively. That got, that got the lead down to 7, and the Hawks actually actually became a 10-0 run overall. And at that point, the Hawks felt like they were back in the game, obviously. But Trey was clearly the story in terms of the broad landscape here. He scored 16 points in less than four minutes of clock time, which is just ludicrous. And when he was done with that spurt, the Hawks were down by only one after being down by 15 points. So the Hawks took the lead. During the third quarter, um, and it was overall, by the way, a 31-6 to run by the Hawks to go from down 15 to up by 10. Portland only had four points in almost eight minutes of clock time. Now, this is actually kind of crazy. It obviously helped that Trey was unbelievable in that stretch, but they got a lot of stops. And really, if you wanted to point to the numbers, the Hawks were better on defense in that stretch than they were on offense. You know, Trey was kind of a one-man band at that point. But uh, pretty crazy stuff there. The Hawks actually, for the, for the full quarter, 
It was 31-17. It was kind of funny. It was a 6-0 run at the outset by Portland, then 31-6 by Atlanta, and then 5-0 by Portland at the end. But Trey had 21 of the 31 points. He had 42 points in the three quarters. And again, ironically, this is the craziest part about this swing in the third quarter. The Hawks had almost exactly the same offensive efficiency in the third quarter as they had in the first half, which was not great. It was actually below their normal average. But Portland just fell off a cliff on offense. They were playing fast, tons of possessions, and not scoring. The Blazers had eight turnovers in the third quarter alone, 38% shooting. The Hawks didn't even shoot well. But this is the craziest thing. The Hawks go 31-17 in the quarter. They shot 10 of 27 from the field. Like If I tell you that, you don't win a quarter by 14 points ever at 10 of 27 from the field. The Trey was 7-11 from the floor, and the Hawks were innovative at the free throw line overall. Hunter was 0 of 6 in the third. And again, I know it seems like it was you know Trey taking over the game, which which did happen. I'm not saying it didn't, but the craziest thing about that was that it was really the defensive side of the floor and Portland's offense floundering that changed the actual scoreboard. Trey's offense was just Trey's offense, like he was the one keeping the Hawks afloat because everybody else was bad in the third. Trey was the only one that was scoring. But at the end of the day, that was what swung the game was the combination of Trey exploding and the defense getting better. He played the whole third quarter. They wobbled a little bit out of the gate in the fourth without Trey, but then actually they had a nice 5 0 stretch with um, PLC scored five points in a row. Uh, had, he actually had a three and then had a nice cut off the bench at the back of the four spot. Uh, they were up by six when Trey came back in, but it got back down to one at one point. Portland scored 19 points in the first seven minutes of the fourth, and uh, it was definitely in peril for the majority of crunch time. Um, it was basically between a two point lead and a four point lead, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. For like three or four full minutes in a row. Um, Hunter had a wide open three that should have probably iced the game to go up by five. But then defensively, they got a stop. It's kind of a weird possession. Ended up being a, an official review for a shot violation that the Hawks got the better of. And they had the ball up by five with 103 to go. But they had a pretty bad start to the possession coming out of that in a crucial spot. They had to call timeout with eight seconds to go. It was actually a great call. You know, McMillan has been criticized even by me for some of his stuff out of timeout this year. This is a good one. They ran a fake DHO to Hunter, a sort of a fake dribble handoff. They executed it well. Kevin Schnard asked about this after the game, but Hunter said that that was the design of the play. If they had a feeling they were going to go to Trey, he could sort of pull this off and it ended up working very well. They score there, go by seven points, and it should have been over, over at that stage. But Portland scores, the Hawks don't score, and the door is open with the players only down by five. But then Portland, showing their true colors in this game, Missed, uh, I think, three shots, but at least two shots right at the rim that would effectively lead down to three. Now, the Hawks would have been still in control, but it was a five-point game. Probably gets the rebound and throws like a 40-foot outlet pass to DeLon Wright. They get a, a clear path foul, and they escape from there. So, it got a, very dicey. Was, I mean, the Hawks were leading this game by, by between one and like five points for like a five, six-minute stretch in the fourth quarter. It was very, very, very close. Portland never led down the stretch, but... uh they, they were right there. So it was way too close for them. But as far as the takeaways are concerned from this game, the Hawks offensively uh, ended up with a good number in offensive rating, which is at the end of the day, all that matters in terms of your overall efficiency. They scored about 1.17 points of possession, which is about what they average. It's a little bit better than that, actually. That's an elite figure normally. Against Portland and this edition of Portland, that's not special at all. But the craziest stat of the night, and I tweeted this up, I'll say it again now. The Hawks took, and why I say took, I mean attempted 21 more shots than the Blazers. 
Now, there's some context to this, which we'll get into, but the Hawks took 109 field goal attempts. This is a very, very fast-paced game. Blazers took 88. If one team attempts 21 more shots than the other team, they have a massive advantage because the math is the more shots you take, the better off you are, which means you're not turning the ball over and you're getting extra shot attempts. So the Hawks shot the ball terribly in this game, as crazy as that might sound. Even with great free throw shooting, they had 50% true shooting in the game. They were 37% from the floor and 12 of 48 from three. That is absolutely horrible shooting. 42% effective field percentage. That's about as bad as it gets in a win. But the Hawks did everything else well on offense. They, number one, got 30 of 32 at the free throw line. Trey was 11 of 11. Lama was 4 of 4. Hunter was 5 of 6. Hunter was 6 of 7. Ball didn't take any. Um, Boogie was 4 of 4. And as a team, again, 30 of 32, that's 94%. That's a huge, huge win. From there, 28 assists and four turnovers in the game. A 7 to 1 assist turnover ratio. That is off the charts. We're going to get into a second about on the defense then. But the Hawks dominated the, reba- the rebounding battle and the turnover battle in this game. Now, the glass was not quite as lopsided, uh, especially because at the end, Portland had a bunch of offensive rebounds. But the Hawks were in control of the glass the entire game, and that helped to lead them to more shots. But the turnover battle was crazy. So we'll, we'll sort of use that as, as a bridge to the defense. But again, the Hawks managed to score at an above average rate despite shooting the ball terribly. It's because they did everything else well. Defensively, they forced 21 turnovers in this game. Uh, that is sky high, especially if you know the Hawks very well. Atlanta is a very low turnover team defensively. They're very conservative. They don't really have a lot of playmakers defensively. So they forced them with turnovers. Well, I got to say, that's partly on Portland, obviously. But those turnovers led to 29 points for the Hawks directly. So not only is that, is that 17 possessions that you won, quote-unquote, on turnovers versus what the Hawks committed, but also directly those leading to live ball stuff. This is the season high for the Hawks in steals with 13. That is uh, pretty crazy as well. Um, they ended up this game, the Hawks did, with a 106 defensive rating, and that's quite good. That's hilarious because the Hawks did not play well at all defensively for most parts in this game, but the Blazers were hitting us on offense on the stretch, alas. Uh, the Blazers did shoot much better than the Hawks did. In fact, Portland had 58% true shooting in the game. That is elite. That's like number one in the league kind of stuff offensively. But never, nothing else was good for Portland. It was kind of the exact opposite of the Hawks. Um, they did cool off in the second half. McMillan credited DeLon Wright for his defense on Josh Hart in the second half. Um, and, you know, they shot themselves in the foot a few times. The Hawks were better defensively, I will say that. It was not great, but it was night and night from the first half. That's for sure. So, crazy, crazy box score. Crazy, crazy game. The Hawks beating a, a team that they absolutely had to beat. You know, if I, I definitely would, I said this during the game. I'll say it now. Had the Hawks lost this game, it would have been the worst loss of the season. And I don't throw I don't throw that around lightly. I always do the research on that. I don't just say things for the record, just for the record to say them. Number one is the biggest point, biggest point spread of the season for the Hawks. They had never been 14 point favorites before, before, before a game. The previous record this year was 13. So just likelihood wise, that's already bad enough. But then you throw in the fact that the Hawks are clearly needing every win right now in the playoff race. Portland is pretty openly tanking at this point in terms of like what they're doing with their injury management, who they're playing, how they're approaching games, etc. So that combination, plus you're at home, all that stuff, it's just it would, it would have been an excruciating loss. And the Hawks dug it out, you know, credit to Trey and credit to the defense for uh, pulling it off. And with this win, the Hawks now are within a game of the of the Nets for eighth place in the East, and they are half game ahead of the Hornets, who won tonight. 
for ninth place. And by the way, the Hawks go to Charlotte on Wednesday for a head-to-head battle that will actually determine, at least for that night, the uh, spot, who has the ninth spot, who has the tenth spot in the East, at least um, as of Wednesday night when I go to before we get into the player evaluations in this one, and a brief look ahead at that game on Wednesday and more, the word from our sponsors. Um, the auto world has so many mixed and wilds these days that it's basically impossible for your local chain store to stock all the car and truck parts that you could possibly need. And even beyond that, do you actually want to endure the questioning from the person behind the counter that just wants to sell you the brand that they have to carry in the warehouse? Instead of doing that, you have access to rockauto.com and home or in your pocket, and that's a much better option. Why spend more for the exact same parts from a chain store or dealership when you can order them at rockauto.com? Rockauto.com is a family business serving customers for more than 20 years, and they have reliably low prices at rockauto.com for each and every customer. They have absolutely everything you could possibly need for your car or your truck. That includes brake parts and tail lamps, motor oil, and even carpet. Check out the website right now at rockauto.com to see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And when you get there, Right, locked on in the box that asks you how you heard about rockauto.com so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, we'll dive in now to the player evaluations. And this is a mixed bag, as you might imagine, in a game that Hawks did not play that well in. Uh, the bench was hit and miss, for sure. Um, I mentioned before, but Knox and PLC were the backup power forwards in different halves. Knox was 0-3 from the floor, with three rebounds in the first half, uh, but was minus three, did not score. Didn't play very well. I don't think you know it's not a, not a huge shock, but um, you know he didn't kill them defensively or anything like that. Not too much going on there. He'll see. Had some moments when he came in the second half. But eight minutes, had five points, two rebounds. Um, did miss two two pretty open threes. Made made his last one, which was a crucial shot. So you know, obviously get well soon to Gallo and Collins, and they're not as good without those guys. But uh, they weren't like just murdered by their back and power forwards in this game. I will say, I am not someone that's been ranting and raving about Jalen Johnson not playing. But I do think it was a mistake to not have Jalen Johnson in Atlanta and playing. Now, the only thing that I could think of would be that they didn't know Gallo couldn't go uh, until after Jalen had already gone to Rochester. That would be an explanation that I would accept for Jalen not being around and not even playing in this game. Like, given the matchup, if there was ever a game to play Jalen Johnson, no Collins, no Gallinari, bad opponent at home, fresh legs on a back-to-back, all that stuff, it would have been tonight, and he wasn't around. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But, alas. Elsewhere, Lou Williams actually had three steals in the game. Um, it was first game defense by his standards, but with only four points and six shots. Um, he's cooled off a little bit on offense after a hot stretch a couple weeks ago, but he had three assists. He was fine in this game when he was playing alongside Trey. I don't always love that, but uh, I can get it today. Bogdanovich was ice cold. Uh, he's actually not been shooting the ball very well now for a few games after he had been just kind of out of his mind again. In fact, um, he has now had five straight bad three-point shooting games. He was 2 of 11 in Detroit. One of eight in Milwaukee, one of seven against the Clippers, two of nine against Indiana, and one of eight against Portland. So for the month of March, you're shooting like 25% from three, and that's what a good start to the month. So uh, for context, it was 44% in February. So it's not like Bogey is someone I'm worried about as a shooter, but he has been cold now for five games in a row. Uh, he did make an impact with assists. He had six in this game. Again, it's been a nice little um, playmaking um, step forward for him recently. Um, two steals as well, but uh, two of 13 from the floor, one of eight from three. Is uh, tough to overcome for Bogey. Um, Kong had a pretty interesting game. 12 points, seven rebounds, um, four offensive, sorry, four defensive, three offensive, had a steal, no blocks, and four fouls again in 20 minutes. That's in line seven times, made, made, made six of seven. That's good to see from him. Finished well around the rim. I think defensively, he had a couple of hiccups actually that were kind of weird for him. Fella was the better defender for sure of the two in this game, but I thought Kong would at least finish well around the rim. It was intriguing in that aspect, and his chemistry with the pick and roll operator, Lee Williams. Has been good for a while. 
Um, to the starters, and we're going to, we're going to Capella now. He had a weird night, let's just say. Uh, eight points, 16 rebounds to lead the team by more than double. Next, next on the list was a combo with seven. Um, had two blocks and a steal. I thought he was awesome defensively in the second half. Uh, he was pretty good in the first half. He was probably the only guy in the first half that was pretty good. But he was truly a terror after halftime. Blocks, um, you know, alterations, rebounding. He was his normal dominant self. But offensively, he had a come down in this one. I guess I jinxed him last night on the podcast. We talked about how Capella had been finishing very, very well. And in fact, coming into the night, in the previous 21 games, he was shooting 71% from the floor. So you can't really fake that. And I've I kind of been saying, like, his finish has been better recently. But, of course, on cue, he's 4-12 in this game. Um, I believe at least three, maybe four, maybe even all five of those were, like, tip-in kind of, you know, offensive rebound putback attempts that he missed. But he was not a good finish in the game for Clint. So I, can get, I, get all, I get all the pushback. But defensively, he was a terror. Plus 13 in this game um, in his 28 minutes was a combo with minus six. I don't think that's necessarily representative, but I thought Capella was quite good despite the bad finishing, but the finishing was bad. Don't get me wrong on that. DeLon Wright was quiet. It was a very, very DeLon Wright stat line. Uh, you know, Nate praised him. He was a game he was a game best plus 17. I thought he gave them great defensive minutes, but he didn't score in terms of the, from the field. He was 4-4 four, 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 three, from the free throw line. So four points on Washington Dash is not terrible, but four assists, three steals, a block, four rebounds, plus defense, plus 17. Just DeLon Wright in a nutshell. Uh, what, what else can I say? I love DeLon Wright. I think he makes swing plays, and I wish he'd make some more jump shots. But um, he's been a little bit cold, actually, along with Bogey. And early in the season, DeLon was shooting the ball pretty well. And even now, for the year, he is 36% from three, but he has not made a three in March. I believe he is 0 of 10 of three in the month. So, obviously, low volume. Uh, he shot 33% in February, but uh, I think it's uh, more variance than anything else. But it'd be nice if he had a little bit more shooting. That's not breaking any new ground for DeLon. Uh, Herter was cold again from three as well. That was kind of maybe a sense in the team. Why the Hawks didn't shoot well from three this game? Uh, he was two of nine from three, four of six from two. Uh, did have two assists, four rebounds. It was pretty solid overall. I thought just didn't make shots from the perimeter. Neither did Bogey, so that's kind of a familiar theme. Hunter had a very bad middle of the game. Uh, he was 0 of 6 from the floor in the third quarter, had a couple of bad misses at times, but also had a couple of big shots. The fake DHO for a bucket, an open three that he made in the fourth. He had 20 points overall. Took 17 shots, a couple of settling jumpers that I didn't love from him. He took nine threes. I, I do like when Hunter gets threes up. He's, he's been a good shooter this season. Um, I believe coming into the game, he was something like 38% or something like that from three in the game, uh, for the season, I should say. But being up more threes is a good idea from him. Just for six quarter attempts as well. Everybody was still not doing what he needs to do, but had two steals and two blocks. He was active enough defensively, and that's good to see. And then uh, finally, Trey Young, just breathtaking after halftime with 25 points, 46 points on the game, 12 rebounds, sorry, 12 assists, six rebounds, plus 10, 15 of 31 from the floor, took a lot of shots, um, got to the line for 11 11. Three point range, he was not exactly like lighting it up. He was 5 of 14, but that's actually not too bad to be honest with you. So the rest of the team was 7 of 34. So that tells you how bad everybody else was. But, man, Trey was awesome in the second half of this game. And that's uh, that's great to see. Uh, and obviously, you know, they had to have it because everybody else, you know, he ended up scoring 46 of their 1.2. But I think in the third quarter, he scored more than half their points overall. Yeah, 21 31. So almost two, I guess, two thirds of their points. Uh, yeah, it's a Trey Young uh, explosion that helped the Hawks to win this game. They absolutely had to have, and they did go ahead and do that. And 93 points in two days. 
crazy stuff. Okay. Elsewhere, uh, looking ahead a little bit, they have a full day off on Tuesday because they have the back-to-back, of course, Sunday into Monday. And then they go to Charlotte on Wednesday, which I sort of re- referred to earlier. That is their shortest trip in the entire NBA is Orlando and Charlotte, but still a road game. Like I say, Hornets team that's been a little bit better recently. You know, in the, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Charlotte was very badly struggling, and I think that was uh, not a huge shock to me. I don't think that Charlotte is the greatest team in the world or anything, but they are about a 500 team this season, and they are talented. They've now won four of their last six. So this is a team that's going to ride their ship, ride their ship a little bit, and they are talented. Um, that's a matchup in which the Hawks should be able to score. Charlotte's a bad defensive team. They can score on their own as well. I'm planning to do a podcast in between those two games, um, but uh, no promises. I'm planning to have some draft content in the middle of that uh, on Tuesday evening, but we'll see what happens there. Kind of a fascinating game on Wednesday between uh, the Hawks being the most direct competitors with the Hornets in terms of the standings, the geographic rivalry, the Southeast, um, two fun guards, of course, with uh, Lamelo and Trey. Lots of fun stuff there, but um, this podcast, the Hawks get a win, they get on the board, and they're 500 again. We'll see if they can get over 500 for the first time in a while. And then after the game, by the way, in Charlotte, if they can win that one, the schedule is still relatively okay. Now, they do have to play Memphis at home on Friday. That's a tough matchup for anybody. But then New Orleans, New York, and Detroit. So they have some opportunities, as they have for a while now. It was pretty soft, but they won this game, and now they're 34 and 34 with uh, 14 games to go. So buckle up. If they win out, they win out they'll have 48 wins. <laughs> Not likely, I would say, but alas. Thank you for listening to the podcast, everybody. Uh, I hope that, that sort of clarifies all of what transpired in this game. If you have questions, um, the mailbag is always open at Lockdown Hawks on Twitter or at BT Roland on Twitter. Please, please, please subscribe to the show as well on your podcast platform of choice. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Overcast, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Please download the show. Uh, click, up, click on the show. However you want to support the show best. And also, I've been playing with you for a while, but I'll do it again here. Subscribe on the YouTube channel, where we are trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by the end of the regular season. That's be uh, very helpful for me and the show moving forward. That's at Lockdown Hawks on YouTube as well. So thank you for the support already on that. But uh, thank you really for everything, for listening to the show and my rambling as we get into Tuesday morning here. And we'll see you at the very last time at the game on Wednesday, but maybe even in between. So the best way to find the podcast always is to subscribe. We'll see you next time.